Welcome to the Healthy Hair Podcast. Your host, Dr. Amy Brenner, is a board-certified OBGYN with additional certifications in functional and integrative medicine. This podcast is meant to help women find reliable, relevant information to help them feel better, look better, and live better. Here, you will hear in-depth information about hormones, sexual medicine, aesthetics, cosmetic gynecology, and functional medicine. Hey, podcasters, welcome back. And today I have somebody really special for you to share a a kind of a sad story, but uh, what she's done with her grief of turning it into something great is so inspirational and just something that really should be applauded. So uh, without any further ado, I want to introduce Melissa James Jackson, who is the founder of Feel Better Foundation and a pediatric cancer advocate. So welcome, Melissa. <laughs> Hi, thank you for having me. So Melissa actually uh, worked in our practice. How long ago was that? Five years ago now? Yeah, probably about, yeah, five. Yeah. And then unfortunately, some not so good things happened and you had to step away and ended up moving to Columbus and um I thought maybe you could just share your story and I'm sure every parent, mom, uh, really everybody, uh, their heart's going to break when they hear this story. Oh, well, of course. Um, thank you guys for, for letting me share anytime I can bring kind of awareness to this and speak on the behalf of, of other parents that have children with special medical needs. Um, I'm always happy to do so. My particular journey, um, began about six years ago when my little one was born. And I I like to start at the very beginning because often when um, people tell their story, they start at kind of the diagnosis, you know, the the D-Day. But honestly, so much occurred prior to that. And I think that you know, when you have a new one and you just, you're so excited and you want that little one to be healthy and happy and that's all you want. And I thought that we had that when, um, Scarlett was born, you know, she had all our little fingers and toes and her vitals were great. Um, everything was normal. And as she began to grow, um, we started really noticing some differences in the way that she fed and, and used the restroom and, because so even I as was, a, even as a baby, yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. So even as a baby, um, we constantly had her at the pediatrician for you know not being able to to go to the bathroom, and I just kept hearing you know oh let's change your milk let's you know stop breastfeeding let's do this let's do that and. I think we tried, oh my gosh, bless her heart. She went through like five different formula changes and (laughs) we tried all sorts of things, added in the prune juice and the Cairo syrup. We tried everything to really get to the bottom of that. And it actually took us two years to get the diagnosis that um, my sweet little healthy girl actually had a tumor growing inside of her colon that had been there since birth. How old was she when she, she, she was only two when she was diagnosed? 
Yes. Yeah. Hmm. So she um, was shortly after her second birthday was when we got our diagnosis um, that they finally realized that she was growing this mass. Um, but as you can imagine, for two years, we we felt kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> we're new parents and I was constantly told that, you know, every baby's different, um, that I was overreacting um, or, you know, that things would be fine. And and I think in 90 percent of the cases, you know, that's true. Um, but I I'm a huge component of that mom gut or that parent gut. And mm-hmm. when you just when you know that something's wrong, you just have to keep pushing. And so I'm a huge advocate for that now is is really um, trying to be aware because had we not continued to push, and I know you were very involved in that beginning steps too, and that was a huge help because I was able to kind of, you know, talk to you about some of the things that was going on in early stages and you were such a big advocate for my daughter as well. Um, so I want to thank you for that. Mm-hmm. But I just, you know, getting that final diagnosis that she did have a tumor, we had to rush her into surgery. She was going. So how septic. did she get diagnosed? Was it surgery or was it a colonoscopy? She actually ended up getting an ultrasound um, and then she ended up getting a colonoscopy and then ultimately surgery um, with pathology done. But um, it took us a while. I had to actually keep just showing up the pediatrician. I, I, I took videos of our daughter. She was often kind of doubling over in pain because of her constipation being so bad. Um, and ultimately she ended up having a rectal prolapse that put us in the ER. Um, and even then the tumor was not caught. So, um, the following day I charged into her pediatrician and said, I'm about to go to children's again, please, please look at her. Um, they decided to do an x-ray in a few days. Um, but thank goodness, Scarlett, as we were leaving the pediatrician office, ended up having an episode where she doubled over in pain and, and began crying. And the moment that the pediatrician saw that, she was on the phone getting us an ultrasound. Um, and I remember so very clearly, I, I didn't have my husband with me at the time. I, I just picked her up. We went over there. We got the ultrasound. And during the ultrasound, I could just tell from the text face, you know, she was such a loving, compassionate girl. Even to this day, I remember her. And she left for a minute. And when she came back in, she brought a telephone and a box of tissues. And I just knew at that moment that something was seriously wrong. And our pediatrician picked up the phone and she just told us, I am so sorry. I am so, so sorry that I did not see this. And, you know, she just said, like, here's what we know. She is going septic. Her bowel is about to rupture. It's twisted. Um, They said the reason why it's twisted is there's a very large mass inside her colon. And so um, she prepped me that we're going to have to take her downtown. She's going to have to get prepped for surgery. Um, And it was just like, I cannot tell you those emotions. It was just like a ton of bricks. And I know people describe it in a bunch of different ways. Um, but I, I just honestly was like, okay, where are we going? What are we doing? And we 
honestly have moved on that path ever since. It's just always been like, where are we going? What are we doing? What's the next step? Um, she had multiple surgeries to remove the, the mass. Eventually they found out that it was an aggressive one of a kind type of cancer. Um, it's a sarcoma, a spindle cell sarcoma that doesn't have a name. So she very quickly became, you know, this medical marvel is what they would tell me. Um, you know, but it was just such a difficult process because overnight we became, you know, a St. Jude's commercial. Basically, mm -hmm. we became this family that you only see in movies. Um, and cancer has touched my family in a variety of ways, but with adults. And so there's this whole different level when it is a, a little one and a child struggling. And it's so painful for people to watch. It's so painful for people to be involved in. And I think that's why there's not a lot of conversation around it um, because it's nothing that anybody wants to see or hear about because it's just so heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, but she did an was... amazing job. Not only, and we'll get into all, all of those emotions in a minute, but I remember when you were going through it of not only was it heartbreaking, devastating, scary, but it was maddening because nobody knew what it was or what to do. So you couldn't even go to Dr. Google and, and find some answers. Yes. Um, so many times I said that I wish the monster had a name and I pushed for it so often in our, our appointments. I just kept telling them like, but what is it? But what is it? And they honestly told me, you know, we the technology's out there, but unfortunately we do not have access to it and we might not have access to it. And you just have to be okay with the fact that we don't have all the answers right now, but we're going to keep taking, you know, the next step with the information we have. Um, and so that was maddening as a, as a parent, not knowing. Um, and even now, years later, our daughter, she is doing extremely well. We're in maintenance. So she goes and gets her scans every few months. But even now, when I ask them, you know, what are our next steps? And they're like, we're just taking it a day at a time. You know, we, we don't know um, because there's no one to compare our daughter to. We, there is no prognosis. So we don't know, um, you know, what, what typically happens with this type of cancer. She, she is the first known patient. Um, so I honestly, I, there was so much insecurity and uncertainty around that, that it really honestly pushed us to really dive deep into the pediatric cancer world and try to learn as much as possible as a family. Um, just so that I had some kind of baseline um, to go off of. But I honestly can say that we were extremely lucky um, that our daughter was able to have the surgery she had to get clean margins. And we've been able to, you know, we've had a few scares over the years, but we've been able to move forward. Um, but the toll that takes on your family is... I mean, I just, the only way I describe it is when prior to Scarlett being diagnosed, you know, we had, we had built a home. I had a really wonderful job that I was so excited about my future, you know, at your practice. Um, you know, I had a healthy, you know, 
I assumed healthy child. Um, we were starting to look at having another baby. Um, just so much excitement on the horizon. You know, we were doing well financially. You know, I have my master's degree. My husband had a wonderful job. I mean, we were in a, mm-hmm. a really happy time of our lives. And overnight, you know, I often say all of that was gone. I no longer had a healthy child, but thank God I had my child still, which isn't always the case for families. We lost our home. I had to step away from my job. My husband had to step away from his job. Um, Ultimately, down the road, we ended up losing our second baby to a miscarriage due to the stress that comes with Mm -hmm. um, having a child that's medically complex. Um, And then ultimately, we lost our marriage. And um, yeah, I think all of those things are just, it's a nonstop process of just loss. And at the end of the day, you're so glad you have your child. I mean, you'll, you'll do it all over again just so that you can keep your child. But it's the things that families have to go through when they have a child that has special health care needs is just, it's horrific. <laughs> it really honestly is. Yeah. It, it, it's hard even... You know, I've been I've watched your journey, obviously, and I think I saw that it's it's you've had the four year anniversary where she's been Scarlett's been disease free, which is just so exciting and what a blessing. Um, and and I've watched your journey, and I I can't even imagine some of the mo- emotions, and even just talking to you now, it's hard to know to know what to say. Um, looking back, I can see you probably like, do you have, did you go through all of those stages of, of grief? I'm not by any means a mental health counselor, but I'm aware of there's five stages of grief of denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. And from the outside looking in, just like you mentioned, it seems like you just were like, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? But I'm sure what was happening behind closed doors had to have been a different story of of dealing with all of that heartbreak and loss and did did you go through those stages oh for sure <laughs> um there from day one um i was crying in closet showers bathroom stalls i mean i was doing everything necessary for scarlet to get through the day to to make the medical decisions to deliver news to our family and friends. Um, But on the inside, I was absolutely broken. And I was constantly trying to hold on to this life that I had built that I wanted so badly. And it was just, you know, slipping away. And so it was just one of those things where I have all of these little moments that I needed to unpack and I really needed to take the time to actually grieve and work through that process. But when you, you are in the trenches, there is no time, you know, you have to keep all of your armor on, you know, you have to keep fighting and you cannot slow down. And it wasn't until that Scarlett got through, you know, her huge hurdles And everyone was like, oh, you can finally breathe again. You can go back to normal. You can do this. You can do that. You know, let's let's just forget all about cancer. And that was when I think it hit me the most. And it's actually that I've learned through um, therapy that 
that is often when it hits people the most is when things have calmed down because then you're able to actually take a second to process everything that's gone you've gone through and everything you've lost or been through um and then that's you know when the rest of the world's ready to move on and you're stuck and it took me a really long time. Um, I actually started therapy just about two years ago and I should have started it two years prior to that. Um, but I was actually diagnosed with PTSD and anxiety. And I mm-hmm. mean, anxiety, I was not surprised about. <laughs> I think any parent could have some level of anxiety. Um, but I was shocked about the PTSD because I always assumed that in order to have PTSD, you needed to be in battle or, you know, in, in domestic violence or some kind of horrific situation. Um, but the reality is that a lot of families that have children with special health care needs and have, you know, witnessed their child almost pass away or some of these horrific things things such as holding my own child's organ in my hands and, you know, a bathroom at the hospital. Um, just all of those things can be triggers and they can be extremely hard for us to move forward. Um, so I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating. Um, I had really tried so hard to put on a brave face. And so many people told me I was this like really strong mama bear. Um, but inside I was completely numb. And I think that also, um, the fact that I was so numb and the fact that my husband and I responded so differently to our daughter's diagnosis, um, really ultimately caused our relationship to crumble too, which, any person going through those steps of processing things really needs those strong relationships. And so it's kind of one of those things where everything comes crashing down at once. Mm -hmm. Um, So if I could give any advice to anyone, I would say as soon as you can get yourself (laughs) a minute um, to even to talk to someone that's removed from the situation, um, like a therapist or, or someone who has, you know, a couple steps away, um, do that because it's really hard to take time for yourself when you are struggling to keep somebody else afloat. Um, but it's necessary. It's like that whole put on your own mask before you put on, you know, somebody else's mask. But as a parent, it's hard for us to do that. Of course, we're going to put on our child's mask first. You know, it's, it's instinct. Um, but anything else you can recommend? I'm a huge fan of, of counseling really for everybody. Um, and, um, anything else? I know some people kind of go the other way and turn to, to drugs and alcohol and, um, like self-harm, um, versus, um, we'll, we'll talk in a minute of how you've turned, eventually turned this horrible tragedy, tragedies into something so great. Um, how did you ever take that leap of, you know, you know, being broken into, you know, helping others. And I will say often people ask me this all the time. And I think in the beginning it came from a very, 
I don't want to say a selfish place, but I felt so lucky and also so guilty that I made it out of the oncology unit with my child and that I got to go home with her um, because so many of the kids on the floor did not get to do that. And I cannot tell you how many little ones funerals I have attended to this day um, because they have passed away and how many parents and moms and stuff that I've had to cuddle and, and text and stay up with at night and try to, you know, make some kind of understanding out of this. And so very quickly, I just had this extreme urge to constantly try to give back to not only make things better for other people, but also ease that survivor's guilt that I had. Um, because although what my daughter went through was horrific, I was constantly surrounded by other parents that were had it worse on any given day, you know, and there were days where Scarlett had it worse, you know, on the floor. But overall, um, it's that constant, constant in inner battle with yourself of being angry and wanting to know why this is happening to your child. And then also being grateful that you still have your child and that things aren't that bad compared to X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And so it's constantly that, that inner, <laughs> that inner struggle. Um, and so I, one thing I will say is I, I urge families to find other families or, you know, moms particular, um, to find other moms. And I, I just do in your situation because they are out there, even my daughter being as rare as she is, I was able to find other cancer moms online, um, that eventually we ended up, you know, meeting for coffee and things pre COVID. <laughs> um, and really just having that person that completely understood who knew exactly what I was going through, had done many of the crazy things I had done, had, you know, was, had all their armor still on just like me and we could talk about it. And I think that was a huge, huge help. And also the turning point of when I realized these moms need me as much as I need them. And I wanted to create a space and an environment for families to heal. And that ultimately did become my work in the pediatric cancer world, um, is really giving families the opportunity to make something good out of the tragedy that they've been given, um, and lift up the kids, lift up, you know, the siblings, lift up the parents. Um, because honestly, most families that go through this, the patient themselves doesn't end up with a severe anxiety and PTSD as the parents and siblings do, because it is so hard for us as humans to watch the people that we love struggle. And I just so often in this world, it's after everything's said and done, it's, you know, it's the parents or the siblings inability to be able to move forward. Um, that really causes families to crumble. And so I wanted to help in any way that I could make sure that other families didn't have their whole world broken down <laughs> quite as severely as we did. Mm -hmm. So you founded uh, an organization called the Feel Better Foundation. Uh, can you share with everybody w what that is? 
Yeah. So um, Feel Better started out as just trying to give back to other families. And then very quickly, we realized that the best way to help a family heal is to let them give back. And so um, be able to take that really ugly thing that happened to their family and have some kind of good come out of it, whatever, whatever that is, just something good coming out of this. And so um, Feel Better Foundation helps families create legacies or give back projects in their community um, to symbolize their journey and their fight and battle. So we serve all children with life-threatening illnesses, diseases, cancers. Um, and we work with the family. We let them kind of plan out, what would you like to do in the community to symbolize your battle or fight? Or how would you like to help? Um, so we have kids that, you know, for instance, they want to create care packages for the hospitals. So we have Brinley's bundles and, you know, we put together bags for, you know, the parents up at the hospital and, and things for the kids. Um, we have families that, you know, their child's waited and was so excited for those wagon rides in the hospitals. And so they want to donate a wagon to the hospital. Um, we have other kids that want to create awareness. So they'll plant trees around the community with plaques that talk about pediatric cancer. Um, we have kids that come up with such wonderful things. And it's, it's really nice for the family to be able to brainstorm together. And they can do this with their child, um, if their child is still alive and with us, or they can do it in honor of their child, which is also extremely therapeutic. So we've hosted things that are passionate for those children. So we had a young man who was, you know, trying to go to college to um, support kids that were inner city kids. And um, so we did a, a project where we ended up donating some um, play equipment and things to the to the school, you know, in an inner city school so that in his name, of course, um, so that he could kind of live on and get to do that thing that he wanted to do when he got, you know, out of college. And so we really just help the families heal. And then another component of that is we have Feel Better Mom and Feel Better Dad. Um, and those are support groups that we have online, but also we do um, free therapy and free counseling through a partnership we have with the cancer support community. And so we really bring those moms together. Um, <laughs> it's like coffee and crying is what we call it. <laughs> um, we meet up and we, you know, just talk about different things each week or each month, depending on, you know, COVID's been a little crazy lately. Um, and then as far as the dads, we know it's, it's really difficult you know, dads don't want to do coffee and crying. <laughs> they just don't. Um, so instead, you know, we're working on setting up sporting events for them where they can go, um, a group of dads and just enjoy a sporting event. And we know that in that, you know, that decompression time, sometimes that leads them to have those good conversations. Um, but it's really all about healing the family and making something positive so that the family can thrive. Yeah, that's so amazing. Where can people learn more about this? Or I know you said it's a, a tax deductible donation. Where can people contribute to, to help? Yeah, so Feel Better Foundation, um, we have our website, feelbetterfoundation.com. So you can go on there. We also have a Facebook um, we're on Instagram and Twitter, but I'm much better at Facebook, I promise you. <laughs> but lots of ways to get involved. And I just encourage everyone as well. Um, 
learn more about pediatric cancer if you can. There are so many ways to also get involved in that community, especially in the state of Ohio now. So lots of wonderful things coming with that. Yeah. So before I let you go, I have one other question, because um, obviously be, being a part of those support groups uh, must be so helpful. But what would you say to your friends or coworkers, or acquaintances who who really don't know what you're feeling or what you're going through of how would you what advice would you give to friends and family members of um of somebody like yourself or I just think of times, you know, I, I have not gone through the, the tragedies that you've gone through, but you know, I, I had a miscarriage once and somebody says, well, you'll have another baby and it'll be okay. Or, you know, you mentioned people have said things like, oh, well now you don't have to worry about it anymore. And people have good intentions, but sometimes it's, it's, it's not helpful or sometimes even hurtful. So what can people do or say or what helped you when you were going through that, um, that time? Absolutely. Um, I cannot tell you how valid of a question that is. Um, my own parents, my own family, my best friends had a really hard time connecting with me because they didn't know what to say. And the harsh truth is there is nothing that you can say. And so I think the, the best times that I had, um, the best conversations, especially early on when I was so angry and confused and just devastated, um, is just to tell them that you know there's nothing they can say and that you you know this has to be extremely hard and that you're just there. and. And when I say there, I, I don't mean just tell us you're there, but, you know, don't give up on us. If, if we don't text you back right away, it's not because we don't want to be your friend anymore or that we're mad. Just keep bugging us. <laughs> keep checking on us. Keep telling us about things that are happening in your life, too. I think that was so hard is so many of my family and friends, they they didn't want to bother me with trivial things. They didn't want to tell me about their child thriving or doing this and that. And now being, um, you know, doing well with Scarlett and my very best friend just recently lost her daughter to cancer. And we're in this limbo where we used to see eye to eye. And now I, I almost shudder, you know what mm -hmm. I mean, over having these conversations with her. And so we've been honest with each other. And I've told her, I don't know what to say to you. And I don't ever want to make, you know, it seem that, you know, I'm, I'm not including you in Scarlett's life or I'm including you too much. So I just need you to tell me when it's too much or when it's too little. And, um, you know, she's she's been honest with me. And I think that's the biggest thing is it's OK. There were times I had conversations with my mom and she kept saying, you know, we just have to be hopeful and we just have to keep praying and we're just going to get through this. And and that was absolutely true. And those were valid comments. But at the time when your daughter's hooked up to all of these tubes and all of these things and your doctor's telling you that you might lose her that's just not enough. And so all I really needed was for her just to hug me or hold me, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And just let me cry. And so I would say meet the person where they are, listen, 
um, but just love them. <laughs> That's all you can do. And just know that it's okay. We know you don't have any answers mm-hmm. and we don't either. And that's okay. You don't have to have the perfect thing to say, but just um, drop off food, text us, say that, you know, you love us or miss us um, and love on our kids. That's the best thing. The people that came out of the woodwork for Scarlett, including you and your team, I will forever be grateful. And I have all the pictures and all the memories <laughs> and they were like huge bright spots on really bad days. And I'm sorry, I'm going to get emotional. I made it this far, <laughs> but those were the things that got me through. Yeah. I, I, I fibbed. I actually have one more question is, <laughs> You're fine. um, what would you tell to somebody who's in the middle of the dark times and maybe they can't just like, okay, I got to get through this. I got to get through this. And, you know, I want to work with feel good foundation about turning something bad into something great. And they're handling it maybe a not so healthy way of they can't get out. They can't even get out of bed. They're maybe resorting to drugs or alcohol or, you know, how do you get out of that cycle or, Do you have any advice for that type of person where you just feel that, you know, that there's no point in living? I, I absolutely do see that. Um, it happens quite, quite frequently and especially with families that have lost their child because, you know, now there's really no purpose, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's hard. Um, and the only thing I can tell, or I would like to say to those people is, Number one, give yourself grace because you are in this position because you have experienced something very traumatic and nobody has the right to minimize that. Um, You know, you just have to, one, allow yourself to say, okay, I clearly am struggling. Um, Just like me with my PTSD and anxiety, I had to, one, understand that that's what was happening to my body. You know, I wasn't sleeping, not because I didn't want to sleep. (laughs) I wasn't sleeping because of what was happening to my health. And I was not able to shut off my brain because of the trauma that I had been through. So first acknowledge that, learn more about that. Even if it's just you looking on Google or WebMD, learn more and then please, please, please have a professional help you. Um, I know that's easier said than done, but I will tell you there are free therapies out there. So I could not afford therapy going through all of this. And it was one of the reasons why I never even looked into it. But I eventually found a nonprofit that helps families that have kids with cancer pay for therapy. So they paid for my therapy or else I wouldn't have ever even gone. But there are nonprofits out there that will help. There are, you know, um, if you reach out to certain counselors and things, independent counselors, there are people out there that will help and work with you, um, especially if, if you feel like you're in a crisis mode. Um, so please do those things. And then if, if you can't take that step at the very least, let a loved one know and let them try to bring the help to you. So, um, whether that's, you know, texting someone and telling them, you know, if you're, if you think that you're starting to be very different from how you were prior, um, or confiding in a friend and, and saying, you know what, I need help because those good friends and family members, 
they're just dying to help. <laughs> they really <laughs> are. And so you can give them a job. Um, but therapy and in those mom groups, there's free therapy online. It's not professional therapy, but there are moms out there and dads out there online that you can connect with and can get you to the stage where you can get professional help. Um, because I will say that if your baby and your child is still here, your teen, they need you and they're going to need you as healthy as possible for this fight. And even after the fight, they still need you. Scarlett still needs me. Mm -hmm. um, and then if your child is no longer with us, that is something that, you know, I can't speak well to. But from what I have seen, you know, if you have other kids, they still need you. And honestly, you're meant to be here and you're meant to, to honor your child moving forward in any way that is. You don't have to make a nonprofit. You don't have to do anything big, but just living is honoring mm -hmm. your child. Um, so I just want to say I, I'm, I send lots of love to everybody, though, because I know this there's no easy, quick fix. There just isn't. It takes time. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us and letting us walk in your shoes for the past 35 minutes. And I hope this uh, helps somebody that's been listening. Oh, well, thank you guys so much. Thank you for letting me do this. Thank you for listening to this episode of Healthy Her. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook and the web. Go to www dramybrenner.com to learn more. This podcast is for general information only and does not constitute as medical advice, the practice of medicine, nursing or other healthcare services. No patient-physician relationship is formed. The information in the podcast and any references, material or links are at the sole discretion of the listener and not meant to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Listeners should not delay or disregard obtaining medical advice for any medical issues or diagnoses that they may have and should seek medical advice from their healthcare provider for any such conditions.